This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash be here now today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash be here now. Welcome to the Krishnadas Pilgrim Heart Hour. In this podcast, Krishnadas shares his warm-hearted and down-to-earth path to the divine. If you are interested in supporting Krishnadas's podcast, please go to beherenownetwork.com/kd. Is it truly possible to find peace? I'm still not sure I believe it is. Well, if we're still attached to our thoughts, if we're still identified and attached to all our emotions, uh, if we're still pushed around by the shadows of our own unresolved psychological issues, then peace is probably not possible for us. Peace is only going to come from some kind of practice. Because peace of mind is actually our true nature. Very much like the sky is always there. Even when it's covered with clouds, even if we can't see the space, and if we're not, we can't feel the, the bigness of the sky, the greatness of the sky, the clouds come and all kinds of stuff happens we can't see, but it's always there. And more than that, it's unaffected by everything in it. It still remains space, like water. Water is essentially pure, but it gets muddy with all kinds of stuff, but as it settles, as that stuff settles, the, the essential natural purity of the water re- becomes fi- a, visible to us again. But when it's all muddied up and clouded up, we can't see the clarity of the water. Same with the sky, same with us. We only see and experience our thoughts and emotions, our physical sensations, and our reactions and judgments and likes and dislikes about all that stuff. In, so while we're lost in that stuff, there is no peace. No, absolutely not. 
there might be some anesthesia you can apply to it for, for a certain amount of time and get totally immersed in some kind of pleasurable situation. But it passes. And in fact, also pain, difficult situations also change and pass. So on that level, there's always change. And where there's change, there's no peace. Uh, as, we <clears throat> as we do our spiritual practice and gradually but inevitably uh, loosen up the, the, the glue that holds us to all that stuff, the sense input, the thoughts about it, the emotions about it, the, the memories of the past, the fantasies of the future, the likes, the dislikes, as the glue that holds us to those thoughts, because they're really all sense input and thoughts, as the practice loosens up that glue, we are less agitated. Uh, little by little, we become less agitated by things and much more present with whatever arises without anxious anxiety and pressure and fear and longing. So uh, that's the deal with that. <coughs> so, and actually you, when you say, I don't believe it, then you won't get it. You have to give yourself a chance to experience something, which means you have to suspend your disbelief long enough to slow down and see if there's something behind the, the superficial way that we live in the world most of the time. If you don't do practice, you won't find. If you don't begin to understand what the path is about, you won't find peace, you won't find love, you won't find happiness, you won't find bliss, you won't find any of those things which they say are who we truly are inside, underneath all that stuff. So, I don't know what a life recapitulation is. Somebody's asking, what do you think of doing a life recapitulation and could this be another way to find some peace? I don't know what that is, so I can't answer the question. Somebody's wondering who Bernie is from Bernie's Chilisa. Bernie is... Uh, he's back there on the altar, the puja. He's my friend Bernie Glassman. He's a, he passed about two years ago. He uh, <clears throat> was a Zen master and a great-hearted bodhisattva who worked tirelessly to find ways to create ways that people could overcome fear and find a good way to live in this world. He was a great being, and I learned so much from him, and we, we, we became very close in the last 10 years of his life. 
no, 20, 20 years. We met in the millennia, on the millennium. And so maybe 18, 19 years, we were very close. I was very blessed to know him. So uh, he had sent me the words to this prayer, the lines, about eight lines of this prayer. And he said it was part of their liturgy from the Japanese Buddhist tradition. And he sent me these lines and he said, can you do something with this? So I said, I wrote back, I said, like what? So he wrote back and he said, well, you know, we Buddhists aren't that good with melody, especially Japanese Buddhists and Tibetan Buddhists. David Nickturn is very good with melody and he's a Buddhist too. So, uh, so uh, he said, we Buddhists aren't that good with melody. Maybe you could come up with a melody and uh, we could sing it at the next meeting of the Zen Peacemaker Community, which is an organization he started to, uh, to work by, and in, in, in really uh, intense places of tremendous conflict, like Ireland and, and Rwanda and, and Israel and Palestine. He would go there with groups of people and they would engage in dialogue and try to open up a way to Anyway, so, so I, so I, and so he said, and, and when you finish, you can sing it at the next gathering of the Zen peacemaker community. So I said, well, when's that? And it was in 11 months. So I thought, good, good, okay. So I was traveling a lot in those days. You remember those days? And uh, <clears throat> I carried that paper with me all around the world. I kept looking at it. It looked at me. I looked at it. And uh, so at some point, some melody came. So I, oh, one thing, one time I wrote back to him, I said, Bernie, you know, can I mess with the words a little bit, rearrange some of the words so it flowed a little better? I got a one-word email back, mess. So... Uh, So when I had finished, he sent me an email. I said, now you can start working on the rest of the prayer, which was like, you know, 10 pages long. And it took me like a year to get four lines, eight lines. So I said, Bernie, that's going to take three lifetimes. He writes me back an email, two. So he was a great guy. Just wonderful. Love him so much. Miss him every day. Feel him every day, but also miss him. So that's Bernie. So it was funny. So what happened was that melody for those, that prayer, I realized that the Hanuman Chalisa is a, a hymn, a prayer that invokes the deepest place within us, the strength, the inner strength we have to overcome all kinds of obstacles to making an offering to, to this world, to helping ourselves and others. And the prayer is about doing that, making an offering of our hearts, of our enlightened hearts, to help other beings. So I thought, you know, they work together. So I put them together. And when we, that CD came out, the Flow of Grace CD came out, we recorded that melody and I called it 
burn his shalisa. <laughs> so I think it was a couple of years later, he looked at me and said, I saw you called it Bernie's Chalisa. He finally figured that out. I said, yeah. Said, oh, okay. So that's that story. Is finding peace within yourself the first step? Or is it a requisite, a requisite to serving others? Is the first step, or is it a, a... Wait a second. Is finding peace within yourself the first step or requisite to serving others? Or can one find peace in helping others in addition to practice, of course? Well, uh, finding within yourself is where you'll find peace. Not your little self. In the ego, you won't find any peace. But in your true self, there is peace. So as you move more deeply into yourself, you will find, you will start to experience more peace. Now, you can do that through service of others. That's also practice. Practice just doesn't mean sitting there like this and pretend you're meditating or moaning and groaning and think that you're actually singing to God. No. Serving others is probably the most powerful practice that can be done if you're really doing it the right way and not thinking about yourself, not thinking about getting something by doing that. Let's call it, that would be selfless service when you sing, when you, when you serve others without any thought of yourself. When Hanuman jumped over the ocean and found Sita, and brought back news of Sita to Ram by jumping back over 800 miles ocean, not one second did pride arise in his mind. Not for one second did he feel that he was the doer. He, under, he, he could experience directly that God is the doer, even though he was going through the motions. That's very powerful. That's big time. So Maharaj used to say, serve like Hanuman. If we could serve like Hanuman, we would find peace. So there's a combination that you can put together, you know, um, help others in whatever way you, your karmas allow you to. Do some practice. Be aware of some of the things that are going on. Practice some Maharaj, you say, love everyone, serve everyone, remember God. They all work together. They influence each other. They help each other get deeper and deeper. Of course, peace is available all the time, but not in the ego. And not when you're identified as being the doer of service, either. You find peace in service when you don't think about yourself, which is not easy to do because all we do is think about ourselves all the time. That's why practice is important, because it begins to plant the seeds of releasing the obsessive, ever, never-ending flow of, of bullshit that runs through our heads.
Last week, I told someone to be quiet and hide her faith from a disapproving family. But isn't it good to be honest and let others know God is real? I grew up secular and it was hard without God. You're never apart from God. Your family is God too, just like you are. But because you don't know your God, you want to get approval from your family for yourself. And that is low-level bullshit. That is emotional neediness. So what I, from the situation she was in, I, 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 I didn't, re, I didn't tell her to do it, but I, I, I advocated to her that she would make her life easier and her family's life easier if the, her faith was more real and didn't need other approval. She didn't need other to approve of her. Uh, that was that situation particularly. Not everything is like that. I was always open with my mother about most of my stuff. I hid a lot of stuff, but in terms of what I was doing with, with Ram Das and going to India and all that stuff, my mother came to India. She met Maharaji. But uh, <coughs> I didn't, that's, not in, that's not advice for everyone. Hide your stuff from your parents and your family. No. But in that situation, she was causing suffering for herself and her family. And I told her the story about my friend Fred, who was this maniacally insane, intense Zazen Zen practitioner. And he said when he went home, and he was a Buddhist, you know, when he was identified with being a Buddhist, and he talked about Buddhism to his mother, she would freak out, this little old Jewish lady. She didn't know what to do with that. But he said, when I'm Buddha, she loves me. And she's, she's open and relaxed. Because when you're Buddha, you're not looking for anything from somebody else. You're not trying to prove anything to somebody else. So when you've become love, your family will feel the love. And they'll like that because it's real and it's good. But that's not what sh this, that, that person was talking about. We have not become that love. And so many times we use our egoistic, neurotic identification with being a spiritual practitioner to uh, hurt our family. What do they care? All they want is love. You can love them without having to show them how great you are. Because they know who you are. For them. They know all your stuff. So... Uh, so I hope that's clear. I didn't, I didn't, uh, I, it wasn't that I asked her to, to be quiet and hide her faith. That wasn't the, the imp, that wasn't the, the, what I really was pointing out. I was saying by trying to get some kind of approval from her family, she was causing suffering unnecessarily because not only approval, but maybe she wanted them to recognize how how good she was, or she wanted them to, uh, she wanted to get more faith by proving how much she had to them and how good she was. There was all kinds of stuff involved in that. Maybe that's not the situation you're in, or maybe other people are not in that situation. If your parents are open to things and, and you're, it's easy to talk, fine. But if there's anguish and, and, and judgments and harsh, uh, 
harsh feelings about religion, why bring it up? What's the point? Who does it help? It doesn't help you, it doesn't help them. When you become God, they'll feel it and they'll like that. But until then, do the best you can. Do the best you can. Skillful, be skillful with things. I love chanting and sometimes I go through a board or blah a few minutes. Few minutes? How about a few lifetimes? <laughs> a few minutes is great. I keep going and get back to myself for a second and that goes on and off my whole practice. Some chance less, do I just keep practicing them all? Sure. It's not the fact that, it's not the chant taking, taking you out of yourself, it's your thoughts, your stuff, your mind. So you just keep, keep going. Keep doing, whatever you're doing, you should try to be present. It becomes very obvious when you're chanting whether you're present or not. And that's why it's so powerful a practice. That's why practice is so powerful. Because it immediately discloses to us where we're at, shows us where we're at. So you just keep singing. And if you come back and back, go back and forth, go back in and out and out, a million times in the blink of an eye, then you're really paying attention. It's a gentle process. You can't grab the mind. You can't force yourself to have attention. You can cultivate it as time goes on through practice, but you can't make it happen with your will like this. Because then you just create this kind of energy, then it comes back this way. It's perfectly normal that you have, you spend quite a bit of time lost, that we all do. <coughs> Maharaji said, somebody's quoting, do your practices and wait for grace. Can you talk about what I think he meant? It's hard to talk about grace. Uh, it's hard to talk about I mean, very simply, uh, we need to clean the mirror of our hearts so that what's reflected is accurate and not distorted by the dust on the mirror or the blobs of crap on the mirror, right? When it's covered up, the mirror cannot reflect accurately what's there. So the heart is a mirror and we're, we're looking into the mirror and what we see is a distorted version of reality because the mirror of our hearts is covered with dust, anger, shame, grief, fear, selfishness, so many negative emotions, so many pain that we've experienced over the years have shut our hearts down, have closed us down, have dumped dust on the mirror of our hearts. 
So in one sense, grace is always there because grace, we just don't experience it because of the dust. That's one way of looking at it. But uh, one time I asked Siddhima, who was our great, great teacher and spiritual friend and Maharaji's great disciple. I said, Ma, you see, Maharaji used to tease us all the time. He used to say, I have the keys to the mind. And I could turn your minds against me. And then transfer, you'd be transferred. You'd just wake up in the morning and boom, you say, what am I doing here in India? I'm going home. We said, Baba, don't do that, don't do that. And he laughed. He was just teasing, but, you know, he was just teasing. But he was also telling the truth. So I said to Siddhima, I said, Ma, he said, Maharaji said he has the keys to the mind. So I said, to me, that means that I am spiritually, mentally, psychologically, even physically to some degree, I am wherever he wants me to be. I'm where he put me, so to speak. And where he puts me, and where he takes me, and where he moves me around. So I said to her, so if that's the case, which is my belief, if that's the case, then what's the need of practice? Should I practice? Is it necessary? If it's all his doing, grace then what's the deal? She said, Krishna Das, it's all grace, but you have to act like it isn't. Wow. Wow. It's all grace. All done already. Nothing's ever happened. Nothing's ever going to happen. It's all grace. It's done we're already fully enlightened, but we don't know that. That's why practice, that's where practice comes in. If we could clean the mirror of our heart, immediately our whole universe would look different. Right now we see the highs and the lows, the colors, our own subjective version of everything. based on the dust that's on the mirror of our heart. So practice cleans that dust off and reestablishes us in reality, which is the state of grace. Now, a being like Maharaji can, can uh, speed up that process possibly in some ways, in many ways. He can change certain karmas. He can make it easier for you. He can remove obstacles from the path. For instance, the Hanuman Chalisa, which we'll sing later, <clears throat> he said every line of the Hanuman Chalisa, every word is Maha Mantra. And chanting the Hanuman Chalisa can change fate meaning it can change your karmas, what you're born with in this world and what you have to go through, what you will have to go through in this life, that can be 
changed through grace. And the chanting of the Hanuman Chalisa is a method of removing those klesha, those obstacles, those that dust on the mirror of the heart. We don't know what's going to happen in the very next second. All we know is right now. But those great beings, they know. They, they live in the past, the present, and the future at the same time. Hanuman is called Trikalavesham, the dweller in the three times, past, present, future. And being someone, a being like that, they can change, they can remove rocks from that stream that we're going down towards the ocean of oneness. They can remove obstacles. They can change our path to some degree. Uh, this is what I believe is true, but I can't prove it to you. So if you don't believe it, if you don't, and I'm not saying you have to believe it, but you asked a question with a lot of words like grace that very hard to talk about. So we, at some point the sun will rise and from, from the results of our practice, there will be no clouds on the horizon. And the sun will rise and we will experience that, this, the, 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 that opening, that oneness, where our atma merges with the paramatma, where sita merges with Ram again. In this world, they're always together, but in this world, they appeared separate. And in the inner body, in the spiritual body, they believe, they say Sita is the individual soul and Ram is the supreme soul and they merge together and Hanuman connects them again. Hanuman is that flow of grace. Do you have any advice for engaging in Hindu traditions without becoming too attached to the material side of it as malas, pictures, and saints? Hey, what are you talking about? How can I give you advice on that? Look at that. I have a drawer over there that's full of malas, hundreds of malas. I got malas. Here's a bag full of malas right here. I got malas here. I got malas there. I got pictures all over the place. When I was in India the first time, we were crazy for this stuff. Everywhere, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have no advice for you at all. Be happy, go crazy, you'll get over it. Don't worry about it. I am a Ghana from Ghana. How do I get started? Sounds like you've already started. Even asking that question means you're, you're, you're already turning in the right direction. Just become a good person. Think about others. Don't be judging yourself all the time. 
if you have no access to any teachings or any, or it's hard to meet any teachers, just every day, just slowly watch your breath. Spend some time just slowing down, watching it come in, stopping, turning, and going out, stopping, and turning, and coming back. This is a very powerful meditation practice. You don't need any fancy stuff. Wherever you are, you have whatever you need. And uh, <clears throat> there's so much stuff to look at online. You're obviously hooked up to the internet, so there's all kinds of stuff on my website to look at, to read about, podcasts to listen to, uh, all kinds of things. So, um, yeah, so uh, good luck. And you're, everything's good. You're moving in the right direction. Uh, you know, now you're going to get me cranky here, okay? If it's all grace, then what about teachings that say, if you visualize, you can create your reality? Well, I don't buy it, period. You can certainly accomplish a lot in the world, but that kind of visualization is a projection of your own desires. I want this. I'm going to I'm going to visualize a 1957 Fender Stratocaster in perfect condition, mint condition, right here I'm going it's going to manifest in my hands. Yeah. So then you get that then what do you do? Then you want something. Then you need a, 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 a an amp to go with it. <laughs> There's no end to that stuff. One thing after the other. That's not the way I think about things. There are people who think about things that way. Uh, athletes, um, again, athletes visualize winning, people manifest money, relationship. But if it's grace, then does, visual, when, then does visualization work? Not the way you're talking about it. If you're hungry, you want to get food. So... If you're hungry, you're actually thinking of food. You're actually visualizing food. And then the next step is, where do I get that? So the first step is you're visualizing the food. You're, you're just thinking about it, which is visualizing. And then you think, how do I get it? Well, you go to the refrigerator. Nothing there. Okay, you get in the car and you drive to a uh, vegan restaurant. So, but you have no money. So then you get a job. So this is all the stuff of this world. Real visualization, spiritual visualization is very different. But that's a whole other story and I don't know that much about it. But, so, uh, it's good for people, it's, it's good on a, at a certain point in, in one's life. It can help you manifest what you need to get. How, like when I was in the jungle with that old Baba. Uh, you know, I've talked about him before. He actually just left the body some months ago. When I met him, he was 163. And that was in 
1986, so he was probably close to 200, 190 something by the time he left the body. So I was sitting with him one day and uh, he kind of looked at me and he said, you know, you have to develop cha shakti. Cha means desire and shakti in this sense, cha shakti means willpower. And I remember, my, I, I thought, what do I need that for? And I could see, he, he saw my thought, he, he heard my thought without, I didn't say anything, but he, he saw what I thought. So he did something inside of me. And he showed me inside of me what he was seeing. And I went, oh. And it was shocking to me because I saw myself from another perspective. And I saw that, in fact, I was tripping myself up. I was putting chains around my, my own feet. I wasn't going after the things I wanted in life. I was just floating. And it, I also saw that there wasn't like spiritual life and worldly life. There was just life. And I wasn't living it. I was just floating through it. And I wasn't helping myself. I wasn't feeding myself with the things that I wanted. I was up-leveling everything in my head. Oh, yeah. So that was really powerful for me. So maybe that's not so different from what you're talking about here. Because mobilizing my will ultimately led me to being able to sing with people. I mean, it was, it was a step on that path. And uh, it led me to doing, you know, what I, this, which is what I really always wanted to be doing, but didn't even know, so to speak. Uh, didn't realize. <clears throat> so, uh, don't think about it so much. You know, you can't really understand these things. If a practice appeals to you, do it. See what happens. See where it takes you. If it feels right, go for it. You can't understand everything in advance. Om Hum Hanumate Nama. What does it mean? Well, Hum is a bij mantra for Hanuman. A bij mantra is a, is, is a seed syllable, they call it, a seed syllable, which has great power in it to manifest uh, that which it is the seed of. So it's a sound that manifests Hanuman. So Om Hum Hanumate Namaha. I bow to Hanuman. Om Hum, it's just part of the mantra, Hum Hanumate. So yeah, it's a, it's a seed syllables like that are very powerful. <clears throat> uh, 
And there are a lot of times those type of mantras should be given directly by a guru and you should be initiated in it and the shakti for that mantra is transferred, transmitted to you, then you begin to do the practice. But in the devotional path, that's not required. You don't, this is not that kind of power thing. Hum Hanumate, we're, we're, we want to manifest Hanuman, we want to be with Hanuman, we want to feel that, that beautiful space of love and service and bliss that, that is Hanuman and strength. So. Can I do chanting practice to help others mitigate the pains and sufferings of others? Or is chanting only for one's own benefit? So, that's an ego asking a question. And on the level of ego, the answer is you do the practice to free yourself of your ego. And your identification with being a separate being from everybody else. The reality is we are not separate. So everything we do for ourselves in some way also affects the greater whole, the greater oneness. Now, can you pray? Can you do practice for other people? Absolutely. You can dedicate your practice for all beings. You can dedicate your practice to someone you know who's suffering a lot. Um, what you don't want to do is get too busy trying to cure everybody. This tends to get into a very big ego power trip. Look what I can do. I can pray for you and your troubles will go away. So that's a very, it, it can be very subtle too, believe me. So if you pray for someone, if you, someone's suffering and you want to offer them prayers, you can do the chalisa, you can do mantra, and you offer it to them. You don't wait around to see if it's helping or not. That's not your job. Your job is to make the offering. This is very important. Otherwise, you start to get bogged down with how fantastic you are and how much good you're doing for the whole world. And your ego will get so big, you won't be able to get out of bed in the morning. You'll need somebody to carry your head around. It happens to a lot of people. But nothing wrong with dedicating your practice. Absolutely nothing wrong. Absolutely. And... and there are practices, there are kind of advanced techniques where <clears throat> you can visualize taking on a person's suffering and offering back love. You, you, you absorb their, their, their pain and you send sending back love. That's also very powerful, but you know, um, that is not taught to beginners necessarily because beginners tend to hurt themselves with those things by thinking they're really special and powerful and look what I can do and I'm helping everybody so much. And, you know, you get a real hat size problem with that. Uh, what, what does a good human being do? Cares for others naturally does what they can to alleviate suffering when they meet it in themselves and in others. So that's what all these practices are for, ultimately. 
for ourselves and others, and others and ourselves, and all of us, and all one of us. Oh, well, we don't have much more time. So, thank you for sending the questions in. Sorry we couldn't get to too many. So that's the deal. And once again, please don't forget us. If you have some rupees jingling around in your pocket, please send them. We can use it. We appreciate it very much. Um, yeah, okay. Thanks again for all this. Bernice Chalisa and the prayer at the beginning is the prayer he asked me to find a melody for and it's a prayer for all beings who are lost and afraid who are hungry and we're offering all these beings all of them to come and share a meal with us. And the meal we are offering, the food we are offering, is our open hearts, our enlightened hearts, our heart of oneness. And after that, we sing the Hanuman Chalisa, which is a way of getting the strength to actually manifest that kind of love, that kind of compassion, that kind of caring for ourselves and others. to hungry hearts everywhere through endless time you who wander you who thirst I offer you this body mind calling not to hungry spirits everywhere through endless time Calling out to hungry hearts All the lost and the left behind Gather round and share this meal Your joy and your sorrow I make it mine Actually, the words of the prayer originally just say All of your sorrow, I make it mine but when I brought the finished words to Bernie at the Zen Peacemakers meeting, and I was gonna sing it that day for the first time with people, I showed him the words and he read the words and he says, no, no, I don't just want your sorrow, I want your joy too. 
So instead of all of your sorrow, I make it mine. Your joy and your sorrow. Calling out to hungry hearts Everywhere through endless time You who wander, you who thirst I offer you this body mind Calling out to hungry spirits Everywhere through endless time Calling out Hungry hearts, all the lost and the left behind. Gather round and share this meal, your joy and your sorrow, I make it mine. Shri Guru Charana Sarojaraja Chamano Mukuru Sudhari Barano Ragu Barabimala Jasu Chodayaku Halachari Buddhihin Tanujan Ke Sumeram Pavan Kumar Siara Alla Buddhi Vidya Dehu Mohi Haru Kalesu Bekara Yavara Ramachandra Padaje Sharana Jaya Hanumana Kyanagunasai Jaya Kapisati Hunloka Uja Ramadutta Tulutta Baladhama Anjani Putra Pavana Sutana Mahavir Vikram Bajarangi Umatnivar Sumati Kesangi Kanchanavarana Biraja Subesa Kanana Kundala Kanchita Kesa Hatta Bajra Urdhvaja Biraja Kande Mujajane Usaja Shankara Suvan Kesari Nanda Eja Pratap Mahajagabhani Vidyavan Guni Atichatu Ramakaja Karibhe Khoatu Prabhucharitra Sunibhe Khorasiya Ramalakana Sita Manabhasiya Sukshmarupa Dharisiya Hindakava Kattarupa Dharilanka Jarao Himarupa Dharayasura Sanghari Ramachandra Kekaja Sanghari Aisa Jeevan Lakana Jiyai Shri Raghubir Harshira Lai Raghupati Kinhi Pohutbarai Mamma Priya Paratai Samabai Sahasabadana Tumaro Jasagav Asakahi Shri Pati Kantalagav Sanaka Dika Brahma Dimunisa 
होया सिद्धि साके गाड़ीस तुलसीदास सदा हरिचेरा कीजे ना हृदय महादेव पवन तन्नाय संकट हरना मंगल मूर्ति रूप सियारा नाम लखन सीता सहित हृदय बस सुरभूप सियावर राम चंद्र पद जयशरण मंगल मूर्ति मारुत नंद कल अमंगल मूलन कंद मंगल मूर्ति मारुतनंदन सकलमंग मूलन कंद श्रीराम जे राम जे जे राम श्रीराम जे This is another type of prayer. It's called sharing the merit or sharing the, the energy of practice and aspiration that we have to live in love. We're sharing that with all beings. My version goes like this. If we know anything about a path at all, it's only because of the great beings that have gone before us on this path. Out of their love, out of their kindness, they left some footprints for us to follow. So, in the same way that they wish for us. In the same way that they wish for us, we wish that all beings everywhere, all of us, be safe, be happy, that all of us have good health and enough to eat. And may we all live in peace and at ease of heart 
at ease of heart with whatever comes to us in life. Stay. Take good care. Be well. Be well. Be happy. Take good care of yourself, and we'll see you soon. Namaste. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Time can feel like it's in short supply. Between work, family, and friends, there's very little time left just for you. What would you do with an extra hour in your day? What's important to you? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, build a greater sense of purpose, deal with overthinking, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Be Here Now today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Be Here Now.